everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. With the number two. We are here to help you get your business to the level you want it to be so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. And what a life it is, Mike Manning. Finally, we're back in the same we're room. back in the same studio. I know. It I know feels it's, like being at home. I know it's only two weeks, but I swear we all forgot seven different things. Just That's all right. Just being back on, on uh, digit, on, uh, uh, digital networking events. I can't use the word. <laughs> Virtual meetings. Virtual, thank you. <laughs> Ken, Ken will explain that in a minute. Mike just about yeah. had a heart pop. Is your pacemaker doing okay? Well, I'm the oldest person like, oh. on the call, so yeah. Uh, I know it's only been, been two weeks, but it, it, listening to people get on there trying to log on, and you know, it's like, oh, yes. wait, no, wait, I forgot how, how to do we this. We've all forgotten how to do these simple things. <laughs> but at least we're, we're opening a new year with a bang. We are. I am super excited. We have a slew of awesome guests coming up. Um, and today we have a very, 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 very special guest, the one, the only Dr. Ken Keys. Ken, welcome to the show. Man, could you put not another, I want another very in there, please. <laughs> well, you're still getting more than her husband. who was on the show. I, was just, I, I lost, I lost count at 75 and I said, okay, I'm in. I'm That's in. how you know just how special of a guest yes. you really oh, are. Okay, okay. Most people just I'm get in. three, so you're doing good. <laughs> and we're fired up. It's the new year. We're excited that you're here with us. And where are you here with us from? Vancouver, Canada, West Coast. I'm about an hour from downtown Vancouver. In oh, about we love, five minutes from the U.S.-Canada border. We love our Canadians. We do. Ever since I found Carolyn and Susan in Grand Connection, uh, it has uh, brought us some wonderful guests for the podcast. And glad we finally got to, got to get you on the show, Ken. Because I know you and I have been chatting a little bit, but I'd really like that group. Well, yeah. it's an awesome group, for sure. Yeah. How far back do you go with them? A couple of years. Okay. And so, and in fact, Michelle, as you know, has been uh, yep. managing part of our show for, I think it's just over a year now that they've been doing it. So doing a great job, nice. you know, as a fellow podcast host, most people don't know all the stuff that goes in behind <laughs> the, oh, yeah. the background and the production and getting guests on and saying their names right and all the things that go with, and then promoting it and getting out there to be able to serve the audience. And we've had Michelle and Evans on, and it was funny to know that they've never met in person. <laughs> well, East Coast, West Coast, right? And he's COVID. in the Carolinas, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's a couple hours from us, yeah, yeah. And which I didn't know that either. I just assumed he was from Vancouver. So. <laughs> of course, once you're on Zoom or one of these platforms, we're yep. all close, right? Yep, I know. Absolutely. We were talking at the end of last year about how one of the good things that came out of the COVID apocalypse is that we are doing networking with people that we probably would not have um, if we just stayed in our bubble. So it's been pretty mm. cool meeting all these new people mm. from across the country, from across the world, mm. and um, just and expanding we had, our footprint. We had Pinky from Scotland on before Christmas, uh, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I think I probably just need to turn my microphone off because you two are going to get into these uh, assessments. Real quick, Ken, which one did I take? You took the Strengths Finder. Okay, so I took the Strengths Finder. You can tell I was so into this that I don't know which one mm -hmm. it was because it told me that I like to talk to people, and I kind of knew that. So I took the test for Trinity, and we had a show on it one day. And here's what's happened with the printout since. is I, I, I literally read it 
saved it, emailed it to Trinity. I've not looked at it since. Trinity shows up in the studio the next day, and uh, there were highlighters on every other page, and they were stapled together, and she loves that stuff. So you two are going to get along well. Before she uh, getting on air, she wanted to be a coach. You just didn't happen to know that you're her number one client. I think yeah. she's, yeah, either she's that good or I'm just that unaware. <laughs> well, you know, the same tools that we recommend to our clients are the same ones that we use in our own practices. So Now, Ken, uh, I will let you know, and I love telling this story, that Trinity made her husband, after their second date, take the Strengths Finder. Mm. So okay. obviously a Strength Finders person. Well, interesting it was the same thing that happened to my wife, Brenda, because Consulting Resource Group, which I now own, it's now our 41st year as a publishing company, and we have 12 assessments. On our second date, I handed it to her. Oh. So, so Trinity, we have, now Dang. most people said, well, why, how could you do that? And I said, well, because this is, the question was asked, what do you do? And I says, here's what I do. So that was the entry point. So we're now married 28, going into 29 years. So there's been those moments. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we've got along enough to kind of hang out together. But yeah, <laughs> not. I don't recommend that you all do that on your first or second date. But it is something that <laughs> obviously worked for Trinity. It worked for me. I learned a lot about Scott. <laughs> and, you know, we, we utilize a lot of... Um, just different tools in our communication because we're, mm -hmm. well, he's a naturally gifted communicator. I am not, I have to work at it. So using tools, we did a lot of premarital counseling and um, just finding ways to, to keep it on the right path. Cause it's super easy in relationships to either stop communicating completely or to start getting into a negative Nancy type of communication style. Ken, I'm mm -hmm. always amazed at uh, cup, married couples that own and run a business. Because I always ask them two questions, really the only two I want to know. One is, what do you talk about when you get home at the end of the day? And the second question is, who breaks the tie? Have you worked with married couples or partners in small businesses? And how do you see them getting along? And where have you been able to help people with that? Because I'm always fascinated by married couples working together. Mm -hmm. Well, um, one of the resources, and so this will link back. So at the peril of self-promotion, I've wrote, written the book, Why Aren't You More Like Me? <laughs> Which is based on our personality assessment. And if I may say, uh, humbly, it's the number one rated personality assessment in the world by participants globally now. Congratulations. So in 13 different countries. So we're thankful for that. And the reason it's so highly rated is because it's so learner friendly. So to answer your question, here's the reality, is that some couples can work together and some can't. And some are successful in it and some are not. I think part of it is understanding our roles and responsibilities, but also, and you mentioned the strength finders, we believe in a strengths mindset. So assessments is critical, we believe, and foundational to any business, to any person. You would never go into your accountant without your financial statement. You just wouldn't do it. If you are running a sales in Trinity or in real estate, you would never go, so well, listen, we don't know how much we sold this year. We don't know what our percentage is. You would, you would think you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. But on the personal side, we don't do these same assessments for ourselves. In other words, what's our strengths? You're joking about giving that to your husband before 
uh, getting married. But the reality is it gives you insights about what he likes, what he dislikes, what you like, what you dislike. And the last research, and I'm just going to encourage you probably have um, Tasha on your show. She wrote the book, The New York Times Bestseller Insights. And her research was what percentage of people believe that they're self-aware, they're awake and aware, and they know themselves and their opinion of self is equivalent to or equal how other people see them. And do you two have a guess of what percentage of people believe <laughs> that they are self-aware and their consciousness and awakeness is equivalent yeah. to what everybody else experienced in them? Do you guys remember, do you have a number? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure it's high. Mine starts with an eight. 95% believe <laughs> yeah. that they knew themselves. <laughs> okay. Then she took her students and uh, Dr. Tasha had them do the research, said what percentage of people did they actually was the, the feedback from others congruent with how you saw yourself? Do you know what that number was? I'm guessing under 50. <laughs> 10%. Yeah, that's crazy. 10%. 85% of people are delusional. Yes. So part of this, and it doesn't matter if you're working with couples or with self. First of all, I need to know myself. And that's one of the great things about our tool sets because we have values or entrepreneurship or sales or personality or self-worth or leadership, whatever, is that I need to get conscious and awake and aware of who am I. So that's self-awareness. But we also have to do it for the other person. So what do you bring to the table? A lot of times as entrepreneurs, and I had seven different businesses at one time, I was completely warped. And I was believing that I was going to get variety, which is one of my values, out of having all these different businesses. But instead of, I just really had three or four of them go bankrupt. And I was faultless. I was really not mature enough to really understand the diversity of it. So first of all, I want to know what my strengths are so that I play to my strengths in my business in the partnership. The other thing, a lot of times in partnerships, married or not, a lot of times you need to hire people who are opposite of you, that irritate you, that bug you, that that are kind of a pain in the keister. And the reality is, is that they'll then complement the team. But we don't usually do that. We tend to be attracted to people that we have chemistry with, people that are like us. And that might be the last person you need to be adding to your team. So we have another tool in our tool set where we talk about job styles. So what does the position need from a personality point of view? And most people don't do that research. So what's your role? What's my role? And how can I play for the most part to my strengths? When we think about couples, my wife worked with me for a few years, just one day a week. And in the end, she says, this is just not for me. She actually did the job better than anybody else. She was <laughs> submitted me as a conference speaker. I've done 3000 paid conferences or, or, or presentations in the last 32 years in this industry. And she got me into more conferences and in situations than any other person. Cause she knew who I was. She knew how to speak. She's also an English major, so she could write proposals. Mm -hmm. But in the end, she's, I don't like this job. And so you can't force people into these positions too. I think it's a disservice. You know, I believe that all of us are uh, born with a purpose, a calling and assignment, gifts and talents and abilities and skills that we can develop. And we want to play to those for the most part and be able to honor that other person. So if we say, wait, listen, Mike, we're in this business together and you're not pulling your weight and you've got me doing the books and I hate doing books. Well, it's a disservice, not only to you, but to us, you're going to be stressed. The partnership's going to be stressed. The business is going to suffer. And so we want to look at that together. And that's where assessments come in. Assessments also, we did, used to do, by the way, Trinity Marriage Counseling. And so, <laughs> and we would never, we would actually never do counseling with the couple unless they took our personal style indicator first. Yeah. 
And the reason we wanted, we wanted to create sort of an independent measure, a piece of paper that we could direct energy towards. Because most couples don't come to counseling because they're having a great time, unless it's maybe premarital, like you were uh, describing. So if they're coming in and they have this negative energy towards each other, we want to direct it towards this piece of paper. Said, so, you know what? Mike doesn't get up in the morning trying to irritate you. He's just that way. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, Mike. I'm kidding. So no, you have this orientation. That orientation is opposite to what I like, what I prefer. Then a lot of cases, people marry opposites. And so what you appreciate in the other person is your number one irritant once you're married. Right. Now, when you think about businesses, if both of us have the same skills within a business, that's fine. But then we're going to need to have somebody who's kind of compliments us, come beside us. I think one of the mistakes that many entrepreneurs do, and, you know, we've all bootstrapped at some time or another, is we said, we're going to do everything because I'm going to save some money. That's the last thing you should do. Because your energy, when you're doing something you dislike or you're not good at, it's draining you for the things that you are good at. And you're going to suck at that. So, you know, try to bring a contractor in to maybe do those invoices because you don't want to do them. Maybe it's an hour or two a week that they just help with you. Maybe there's a student, an accounting student at university that you can help come over. Maybe there's a social media sort of grad that's going. So you get some help just as we're doing um, Mike with our podcast. That's why we've hired Michelle's company. I'm not doing any of that admin stuff. I want to be on shows and hosting shows so that I can share this experience of, you know, being in this industry for 32 years and hopefully helping people to be aware. The other thing around assessments, a lot of, I don't know what it is, and maybe Trinity, because you have so much experience in this too, is sometimes people are hesitant to take assessments. <laughs> assessments. It is, it's so weird weakness. that people it's, feel like they can get them wrong. And I'm like, there's no right or wrong. <laughs> there's not a right. There's not a wrong. This isn't, you know, your ACTs. It's just, it's just a indicator of, like you said, some tests test for your preferences, some test for kind of your um, natural state versus your stressed out state. So just, I love just knowledge and the more that you can know about yourself. And I totally um, can understand, you know, that you said 90% of people think that they're self-aware, but they're totally not. And a lot of times they're just very surprised by the results of the assessments that come back because it's like, oh, yeah, I do do that. Or, oh, that is, yep, that, that, that does describe me. Well, uh, you know, as a certified coach, it's interesting when I work with leaders and coach them, they're just, they don't know that they don't know that they don't know. And nobody has had the courage to give them feedback. And so part of this life that we go through and then family members don't know how to give feedback. And of course, if you attack somebody and you say, Mike, you would you do that? Well, who's going to receive that? We're going to immediately get defensive. We're not going to receive that feedback as part of it. And as owners, I think part of the beauty of, of assessments and you know why I'm in the industry and love it is that we really provide this framework to have language to communicate who I am, what's important to me, give you awareness, because we have three words we use, self-awareness that leads to self-management that leads to self-mastery. And so I move from awareness to management to mastery so that I'm in charge of self. I use, we've written another book called Deliberate Leadership. How can I be intentional and deliberate with my choices? A lot of times people don't know that they don't know even about what they should be doing. So one of our other tools is our values assessment. 
I said, and I, we use this sort of play on words. What would it mean if you could make the right decision every time? Well, how can I do that? I said, well, because you're making situational decisions. There's life's too complex, too many things moving around. What would it mean if you could make values-based decisions? So if you're making a decision, so let's say one of my values is independence. That's why I own my own business. I barely can work for myself, not alone somebody else. <laughs> so if challenge is one of my um, other values, then if I'm looking at an opportunity, does it have independence and does it have challenge? If, as, if it doesn't have those two, I know over time that my engagement, because these are behavioral values, internal motivators that nurture and energize me, if I don't have those in my place in my space in my life then i know that i'm going to start withering i'm not going to be as engaged and so we get people to create self-awareness not from a self-centered point of view but from a self-honoring point of view and it's this shift in this mindset that the greatest contribution you can make is when you're in the zone when you're doing what you love in an environment that is conducive to who you are plays to your strengths for the most part there's always stuff that we have to do that we dislike but can I have the majority of what I'm doing playing to that? And then can I have team members, partners, marriage partners doing the same thing? And uh, here's the reality for most assessments. Now, there is a, a sidebar to it. You know, being in industry and as a psychologist, there are some assessments that really have done a disservice. And there are some untrained people who have used assessments that really have used them for punitive measures. And I really dislike that. And I kind of get my hair in the back of my neck up. However, for our tools and what we do, because we're learning tools, the results that people get in our tools already exist. You just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. So let's say you go to the doctor and you said, oh, your blood pressure is high. Well, the doctor didn't make the blood pressure go up or your cholesterol go up or your blood serum levels go off. You just confirm what was already true. So assessments for the most part are just confirming what is already true, but giving you a roadmap, a framework, a structure, a language clarity so that you can do something about it. Same thing with financials. Just because you doesn't, don't look at your bank account doesn't change the amount of money. Right. <laughs> so, so denial does not help with clarity and doesn't help with progressing. And, you know, you want to help entrepreneurs well, my encouragement about entrepreneurs, there's all kinds of these resources out there. Step out there and um, be humble, be, um, what's the word? Uh, now I had a, a word go away from me, Mike. That's okay. You when you said too. be humble, I could think is be humble, sit down. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, vulnerable, vulnerable was the word. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, you know, the, development does require vulnerability and you know what, it's, it can be uncomfortable for anybody, even including myself as part of this process. But if I'm going to grow, then I have to kind of open myself up to it. Now, I got an email from a, a new client yesterday, and it's a painting company. And so they went through our whole online course that we developed around the personal style indicator in my book, Why Aren't You More Like Me? And he says, Ken, I was amazed at just how open and communicative people were during this process and during taking this workshop as together as a team. But here's, and here's my point around that. Most people want to be open. Most people want to share what's on their heart, but they don't have a space to be able to do it. They don't have an environment to be able to do it. And so uh, we've maybe been hurt before, we're guarded, we're protective. Is so that my job then as a leader, as a business owner, is to create space so that people can be real, can share what's really on their heart, and then we can make decisions from that. If it's not safe, 
then I'm not going to share what's really going on. We use the concept of credibility. So if my credibility is low, then my willingness to be open with you, to be share with you, to trust you goes down. You know, one of the things we were talking about, um, you know, prior to the show was how does that credibility apply to sales? And Trinity being real estate, my son being real estate. Now, I was the number one sales rep uh, for an agricultural company. And then I went from that into doing sales training. That was my entrance into this industry in the uh, 80s. It, I had one of the highest levels of retention and repeat business in the entire company. People don't do repeat business if they don't trust you. Exactly. Where does trust come? Trust comes from credibility. Where does credibility come from? From being able to serve the other people, not from a self-centered point of view, but what does Mike need from me? How can I serve Mike versus this, this old, old concept was around manipulate Mike. And so we don't want to do that. And if I can build connection, so I know what Mike's preferences are. I know what his buying style is. I know what my selling style is. Now I can adjust my approach to better meet your needs. I'm not changing who I am, but I am intentionally shifting my approach to serve you. It's the opposite of being self-centered. It's the being and saying, I'm paying attention. People are constantly leaving us clues about what they want, who they are, what's most important to them, but we're not paying attention or we don't even know what to look for. Or as we said earlier, I'm not even self-aware that my approach is messing up the sale. A couple of years ago, unfortunately, my son and daughter-in-law were in a, a, a terrible accident. Their car was totaled. And so they had to go and buy a new car. And so this is my daughter-in-law's car. She's a very sharp individual. And they go to the car lot and this guy would not stop talking, mm -hmm. never asked a, sim a, a, a single question and only talked to my son. So then he was sexist on top of that. And this was for my daughter-in-law, Lana. So a lot of times he, had a, he could just shut up, ask the question, what kind of vehicle are you looking for? What would you really prefer versus how great thou art? Nobody cares how great thou art. Yep. They want you to be a great listener. Amen. What, I completely yeah. concur. Now you're getting ready to buy a car, so you're going to go through that, right? <laughs> uh, I've experienced a couple of yeah. very shifty, horrible salespeople over the last couple of weeks. They've met their match with you. Uh, uh, one of the assessments you do, Ken, is entrepreneur style and success indicator. And that tweaked our interest because we talk a lot about small business ownerships, ownership, focusing on sales and marketing, building a team. Uh, what's the what's the culture of the company, stuff like that. Do Without taking any of these assessment tests, if most people haven't taken, do we know what style we have and how what what signals do we get along the way that start to tell us if we're looking, oh, so that's kind of my style? So if I understand your question, you say, can I know my style without taking an assessment? Yeah. I think we sort of have a sense that people are a certain way. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then that degree of knowledge is variable from person to person. You know, there's some people who are clueless who don't know, but we know, oh, so-and-so is just anal or anal retentive kind of like, oh, really into the details or that person is a bull in a China shop. So we have sort of these generalities. And the challenge with that is, is that here's where our tool kind of differentiates. 90% of the population is a blend. That's why I think that cute assessments that call you a dog or a cat or some kind of color is a disservice because that actually is not, we are way more complicated than that. So I think that we can intuitively know that there are differences, but we don't necessarily have a framework or a language or a structure or a model to be able to understand self and others in a, an intentional way. 
And that's why we believe that assessments in some way or another, they bring structure to that conversation. They bring a deepening of that understanding. And so that's why we created the Entrepreneurial Style and Success Indicator, which actually has two assessments. The first one is what's your business style? So what are your strengths? What are your challenges? How do you react to stress? Uh, what's your, um, how do you orient to teams, your leadership? And then how do I improve myself? Because here's the reality, even though we say play to your strengths, we make this statement, your style is not an excuse for your behavior. So just because I have no attention to detail doesn't mean that I do no books. Just because right. I am driven and decisive and goal-oriented doesn't mean that I can be insensitive to other people's feelings. Or if I'm a creative and outgoing style, doesn't mean that I don't have any discipline about keeping my appointments, et cetera, et cetera. So every style, or we call them dimensions, has both strengths and weaknesses. So there's not one that's better than another. I think that's what you were talking about earlier is that we're not trying to judge you. We're not trying to make something that's negative towards you. It's just we're trying to create this consciousness. And then the second assessment in there was researched on around 4,000 successful entrepreneurs because background matters. We have a holistic model and we have seven components in that model to develop the whole person. And very, very quickly, so our style or our business style, wellness or um, biophysical factors. So if I don't get any sleep, if I'm not taking care of myself, then my energy is going to be down. Self-worth, uh, environmental factors, which is culture and background, uh, social factors, which are values and how you were taught and integrity, these kinds of things, emotional anchors, and then your spirituality, your belief system. So all of those lead into your personhood, but that also leads to your belief system about business. So if I grew up in a family, let's say that, and I'm not trying to be negative towards unions. So I had two people that were worked on the line somewhere in Detroit uh, for Ford, and they really didn't think about business, weren't um, considering business, really didn't even have a, a positive affirmation about business because I've got a secure job on the line here at, at Ford or whatever. Uh, then if I'm growing up in that environment, I'm not going to, as a kid, understand business. I grew up in a dairy farm, so everything was business. It was, if, if you came across something and um, it needed to be fixed, there was no ever going to be an excuse. You had to fix it. So that background, that's what we measure in that second assessment and say, how has your life shaped your mindset towards entrepreneurship? And how does that mindset compare to 4,000 successful entrepreneurs? And that success was measured not only financially, but from their peers, but also their happiness factor, meaning do they feel fulfilled as individuals? You've seen these entrepreneurs that work 100 hours a week and they have no family and no life and, and there's no balance. Well, we don't call that success per se. So uh, those two are really measured to help people get anchored and structured. And if I don't have a, a mindset like an entrepreneur, then who do I get around? I get around Mike uh, to be mentored or to be coached to say, here's what a entrepreneur will think like. So it doesn't mean you can't own a business, but it does mean that your background has not supported your belief system around business. And so that's that. And it means assessment. you're going to have to do the legwork. I'm a big believer in putting in your 10,000 hours and um, really finding and going after resources if you don't have those resources. But if you're trainable and you're willing to learn, everything's out there for the taking. It's just a matter of you might have a little bit steeper slope to climb than the person who grew up in a household where, you know, they were helping run the small family business or were surrounded in that environment. Absolutely. And of course now, and, and we're doing this even today on this 
on this uh, podcast, technology has, has opened up new businesses that many personal styles who are, um, you know, more reserved and not as outgoing uh, that they can do now. Mm-hmm. It's just like the world is your oyster in terms of opportunities as you structure that, if you set up opportunities that really feed not only your talents and, and passions, but also your personal style or personality. With small business owners, so let's assume that they are, they know the value of an assessment. They've been assessed. They like that. So they know there's a plan of how they want to grow. And when we talk small business, we're talking like solopreneurs to about 30 employees. Mm-hmm. When they're looking to hire for a sign, even if it's not a significant role, excuse me, not a title role, it could be a daily worker, an hourly worker. What kind of things should they be looking at interview, pre-interview to understand, okay, this person could be a good fit? Well, I mean, obviously the standard things that every interviewer needs to go through still applies. What are the skills, the capabilities? Uh, you know, when you think about character traits, uh, I want to have somebody who's hungry and has integrity way faster than I want somebody who has got the skills, right? So those are all standard things that are out there. One of the things that's unique to us is we have a tool called the job style indicator. And so you actually analyze the nature of the position. The, now, you can do, you could reverse engineer this, meaning has there been a certain personality type that has been most successful in this role, if there's been this role has been fulfilled in the past, and, and is there any correlation between that and the success? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. You have to kind of look at it. But uh, barring that, they could go and use our tool, the job style indicator that says, what does the position need? Forget the applicants, forget everything else. What does the position need from a style point of view, a personality point of view? So, and here's why. Personality is actually energy, okay? And so if I have a lot of energy around the attention to detail, then I can do an audit books day in and day out, five, six, seven, eight hours a day. There's other people, if they do five minutes on auditing, they are ill, right? Mm -hmm. Because they have none. And so this is where we help people to understand, just imagine you have four water glasses in front of you. And one glass is very low of water, another one's very high in water. Well, that is actually the scores that you get in our tool. So if I have lots of water in the water glass, then I have lots of energy to disperse in the roles and responsibility that require that style. So first of all, here's what happens a lot of times, even in a smaller business with let's say there's 20 employees and you have two people involved with hiring a person. So that person, the two of us might actually disagree on who who we need. So how could I hire the right person if the hiring committee of two can't come to a conclusion about what we need? So we have another tool called the manager's job style. And all that is, is multiple people can fill out the form on the same position. And so we contribute our opinions and then we discuss it. Said, okay, can you say this, Mike, you say this, and uh, we're different. Well, Mike, why did you think this role needed this? Ken, why do you think this role needed this? We have a conversation about that. We bring clarity to the role, and then we lock in, I'll call it the pattern of the job style. And then we have applicants who are shortlisted only. You don't need everybody out there to fill out the personal style indicator. And we have a third piece of software that creates what we call a compatibility report. In other words, Mike's a fit for this job, or Ken is not, and here's the rating of the fit. And then we can talk about it, because if there's not a fit long-term, we know that the energy of that person is going to 
decrease, their engagement's going to go down, and they're either going to quit, fire, or their performance is going to be below par. We just know that over time. So those are some of the things that are possible, Mike. I think that when hiring, it's just so important to... I loved using personality profiles in in hiring because it allowed us to talk about things from an angle of it not being a personal attack, you know, Um, and really being able to challenge if you know that the job takes X, but their personality shows Y, you know, how are you going to feel about doing that role when it, you know, according to this, it's not going to be something that you enjoy or you're not going to find, um, not necessarily passion because there's it. I can't remember the book I read, but one of the best um, things I ever learned about business is that not everybody sees everything the same way I do. So not everybody is super driven. Not every person wants to be at the top of the pack. And we need worker bees. We need people that don't want to run small businesses. We need, you know, we need those people because without them, we would never get our jobs done. So, um, I just really think that those tools and the tools that you have sound pretty pretty cool from a hiring standpoint because that's what I found and then the follow-up questions around those to be vitally important. Very, very important. And the other thing, you know, Jim Collins wrote the book, Good to Great, get the right person on the right bus yep. doing the right things in the right seat. But he didn't give you a he didn't give you a system to do it. And so that's really the system. Now the other side of it is sometimes as owners, we come across a real star but it's not a fit for the job we have open. Mm -hmm. So part of what can happen with these uh, tools for clarity is uh, Mike, you can fit part of this job, but really this is, this is this other side. That's really a better gift for you. So that's that shift where now I can be more intentional and maybe I uh, adjust the job or role responsibility because Mike can fit this part of the company instead of the one that I have specifically open. And I adjust it to play to his strengths rather than, hinder them yeah your you have a team of five uh give or take yeah. okay and how much of that factored in when you're trying to figure out this person that person how often do you use that or those elements oh all the time and i'm a big proponent of you know slow to hire quick to fire mm-hmm. because you just taking that extra step paying for that assessment, doing, you know, is going to save you money because it's so expensive to onboard somebody. (laughs) It costs on average 20 grand to get somebody up and going. And if you think about that, if you have an employee and you have to replace that person three times in a year, that's crazy. So I would rather take a little bit more time up front, have other people carry the burden, you know, work a little bit extra or pay someone a little overtime to get the right person in the right seat. Because mm. otherwise, you're now dealing with a situation where they've affected the culture, mm. they've affected the workflows of other people. Um, and I learned firsthand, we made a couple of really bad hiring decisions. Um, I was trying to find a, somebody to take over the marketing role that I was heading up. And we brought a person on and, you know, we didn't do a very good job interviewing her. We didn't ask enough questions. She kind of wooed us and we were like, oh, this is great. And before I know it, everything was rolling back on my plate. All the things that she said that she was great at, she sucked at. And it wound up being more work cleaning up after her as we had to boot her out the door than if we'd just spent, you know, I'm like, man, if we would have just spent one more hour mm. or 
contacted someone like Dr. Ken, mm. we would have saved ourselves <laughs> literally thousands of dollars. Of, of course, of course, I would have been magical. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I think, you know, all tools do is help to improve our performance. We created a program for Chrysler, it was called, Why Don't You Sell the Way That I Buy? And I know that you appeal to, to salespeople. We were, uh, we launched it actually in Mexico. And so it was actually end up going into 40 countries. It's our number one rated sales training program in history. And uh, so we went into this pilot dealership and they were having about a, a closing ratio of somewhere around 12% of about a thousand uh, prospects per month. We were able to move that to 16%. Now, what percentage of people are still saying no to the salespeople? 84, right? But if you take 4% of a thousand, that's 40 deals a month times about a gross profit of about 2000. So that's 80, 80 grand or 80,000 times 12. So we're about a million a year up in the dealership by moving four points. Mm -hmm. So it's a 30, it's over a 30% improvement, but I still have 84% saying no. So when you use these tools, it's not going to be a magic bullet where every single person I hire is going to be perfect. No, it's just, what would it mean if I own, if I had two or three less people that I had turnover mm -hmm. in the next couple of years, what would that mean to you? And the, the other thing that you're talking about as far as cost is that the cost of turnover never makes the ledger. It's now, kind of this, yeah. it's this opportunity cost that is there. It's cost is 20,000, or there's another number that says it's 0.5 to 1.5, the annual salary of the position. So if it's a $75,000 a year position, then it's going to probably cost you $75,000 if you have turnover in that position, just the capital, the, the intellectual, the training, everything to get them up to speed. And then they kind of, as you said, you had a mess. You actually had a worse condition that you took over than when you handed it over to her. Right. And we've all had that. I mean, even mm -hmm. we teach this and we still have had that. But how can we reduce uh, you know, bad decisions or incorrect decisions, maybe is a better word, and improve our odds. That's all we're trying to do with tools and resources into or equip ourselves to be more on the winning side than on the losing side. Yeah. And my retention rate when I learned how to utilize tools to help me better do my job skyrocketed. Because um, when I first started working at Northwestern Mutual, the retention rate we had for our one to five year agents was abysmal. It was at the bottom of the pack. Um, and like you said, it didn't take a whole lot to increase that a couple of percentage points. And before you know it, you're you're moving that bar and then you're gaining traction and you're getting better at it and better at it and better at it. And before you know, now you've got the skill set to be able to, because you're right, the tool's not a magic bullet. I've probably relied on it too heavily in times of wanting to, earlier in my career, wanting to fix people or save them when then I learned how to very gently coach them out of, because not everybody is cut out to be a small business owner. Not everybody has the, the skin that it takes or the work ethic or the drive or the determination um, and you can't necessarily test people for all of those things. You, you said something earlier that I, I just saw all of a sudden a thought came back to me around nobody, not everybody wants to be an owner, but a lot of times people assume that my journey is to be upwardly mobile. A lot of business owners promote their employees into disaster 
So I was working for an employer, had about 6,000 employees. It was a retail chain. It was a drugstore and cosmetic store. And they had the number one cosmetic salesperson in their company. They wanted to promote the supervisor. I says, will you leave her alone? She absolutely loves what she's doing. She doesn't want to be a supervisor. Stop Mm -hmm. doing this. And yet they still wanted to promote her. And so I said, get out of the way because people, if they're in their zone, if they're doing what they love, then upwardly mobile isn't necessarily part of the equation for them. Yep. And you said, we need these people who really want to support you, your admin assistant, who wants to be the best admin assistant to you that's possible out there. And she or he loves doing it. Well, leave them alone. Stop it. We've seen that, Mike, where the number one sales performer is promoted to the sales manager. Absolute disaster. Because what drove them to be the top sales performer in in some cases, being self-centered and absorbed and going out there and driven, you can't lead people that way. You have to have a whole different skill set to be a sales manager. We saw that so many times when we were doing consulting out there. It's it's so funny that you say that Um, when we were figuring out um, like who to promote into being a managing director at Northwestern Mutual, you know, a lot of times it was, it was the top salesperson and they're like, we need to turn this person into managing director. And I'm like, that person hates role-playing. They hated role-playing during training. They hate What makes you think that they're going to want to sit in a training room <laughs> and do that? Like they would, ne- they will, they will burst into flames and be out of here so fast and at a different insurance company faster than you can write their next commission check. And that's why a lot of my analogies are sports related, why the greatest athletes of all time make horrible coaches because nobody can do it as good as they can. And I always want to ask these, these business owners that promote the top salesperson to the sales manager, how are you going to replace their money? And how many people will you have to hire to replace their money? So I'm with you. Just leave them there. I, I remember when we were we had we were very blessed with the sole source contract for all of Chrysler Canada for nearly a decade. And I remember doing a workshop with uh, service uh, staff, and the service manager says, "I hate my job." I says, "Why is that?" He says, "Well, I hate people." I said, "Well, hang on. <laughs> you, you, you have hate people. You hate the service advisors. You hate all your employees. You hate all the customers." Well, he was a mechanic who had been promoted over time, who loved really the, you know, pulling a wrench, pardon the pun. And then just, he just sort of expected, I'm going to make this money and now I'm not going to have to be as dirty. And it was all the wrong decisions by all the parties involved. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, if you don't like people and that's all your job is, I think maybe you want to rethink your position. Yeah. It's like moving your uh, second baseman to catcher because they got a good arm. It's like, no, no, no. They have never caught, so they don't want to do that. But, uh, Ken, you are host of Secrets of Success podcast. I assume you learn something every week as well, just like we do. Oh, 250 shows later, uh, most of those with guests, a lot of New York Times bestselling individuals. Uh, part of our show format is always to have a person's journey or story. How did they get to where they're at? We share that, plus the insights that they may have. We mostly work around personal professional development. I also am a wellness coach and have a diploma in nutrition and genetics, so we work in that area, leadership, uh, some sales. Uh, And so that's the area of theirs that we work on. And I know that we we have a gift for people today, right? Yes, just going to get to that. 
So we're, uh, I'm going to give away my latest book, which is The Quest for Purpose, which is a roadmap to get clear about, you know, why you here and all the different components of your life and now have an online course with it. But I'm going to give away the ebook version of it. And you can find that at my speaker site with a hidden URL just for you listeners, kenkees, K-E-N-K-E-I-S dot com slash wired. So you, I don't know, where, where did I get wired from? I don't know. Is there yeah. any relationship yeah. to that? Yeah. I wonder. Just enough, just enough. <laughs> I just wonder. I'm just, <laughs> thinking, just thinking out loud how that happened. And that'll be and in so the show notes, sh- and we'll pu- yep. put it out in the promotional stuff as well. We appreciate that very much. Uh, where can people, where's the best way to find you? Well, all our assessments are on, other on KenKeys.com, but the assessment site is CRGleader.com. Stands for Consulting Resource Group. Uh where we have all our assessments or our tools. You don't have to be certified to use them. Anybody can go online 24 seven and just go take them like this very moment. If you want to take the entrepreneurial, the personal style, the values or any of those tools that are there. And then just please reach out. We'll respond to you as quickly as we can with any questions you might have about uh, those tools at crgleader.com. Awesome. We have really enjoyed having you and meeting you, Dr. Ken. It's been a pleasure. And we can't wait to uh, continue this conversation at some time in the future. I made some notes. So, yes, Uh, I will be. And thanks for being such great hosts. I appreciate it. No, we enjoyed having you on. And uh, go to crgleader.com. Go to kenkeys.com forward slash wired. There's a gift for everybody listening. We appreciate the knowledge for all our listeners. And uh, my name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. We will see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.